It's that time again. Time for the Cowboy Roundtable. I'm your host, Jeff Fry. This is podcast number three for the 2019 season. Today we got Ian McMacken, publisher of the Go I O Go, and Jim Anest, super fan, one of the uh, backers of the Colorado and Cowboy, uh, Colorado uh, Cowboys in Colorado, and uh, we'll be talking with them. So, without further ado, let's get this started. All right, all right, all right. Gentlemen, gentlemen, how are you doing? Uh, Jim, how are you doing? I'm doing great, Jeff. Uh, I'm, this is going to be a tough crowd tonight. Uh, that reception was a, a bit lukewarm compared to what we're used to, so we're going to have to bring our A game tonight. Yeah, we're going to have to sell this one. Well, if you've been watching the board, it's kind of reflective of that. Uh, and we've got Ian with us, who is the publisher of Go I O Go. Ian, thanks for showing, uh, uh, stopping by. Um, how have you been doing? I'm doing well. I'm glad to be here. I'm getting uh, excited about Saturday. I'm going to go to the uh, Colorado Cowboys in Colorado uh, viewing party down there in Littleton, uh, which was a lot of fun the last time we went to. The last one had a little bit of an issue because of an ESPN Plus game, the streaming issue. Uh, was was really made things difficult to watch the game. You know, it's always like a few minutes behind and stop. But this one, being on CBS Sportsnet, I'm really looking forward to getting down there and watching the Cowboys go to four and zero. Yeah, that should be a that should be a good broadcast. Uh, I don't think they have as much uh, difficulty with those sorts of things. I know no no most sports bars can pick it up. So um, and where where is this place that you're going to have this again? It's going to be at the uh, View House in Old Town Littleton in Denver, obviously Littleton, Colorado and Denver. And we had a, f a fairly decent show. Uh, people show up last time. I think the bar people are a little, uh, we set it up, a little surprised, or alumni folks are a little surprised by the number of people that actually showed up, Wyoming fans. So I think fans were really excited after the Missouri win and uh, you just can kind of feel that excitement growing with a good portion of the fan base right now. Yeah, I tell you, it's um, it's going well. Uh, you might not notice that on the board. It doesn't. <laughs> we'll talk about that a little bit later. But um, Ian, uh, you guys, uh, you guys went to the Idaho game. I watched it. Uh, I watched it uh, on uh, TV. So, um, Ian, why don't you give us your impression of that game? Well, I think the first impression uh, before the game even started was the Cowboys drew almost 29,000 fans for an FC opponent and FCS opponent. And I think that just the, the mass volume of the crowd for, for that special uh, particular game, especially coming off a, a game where the Cowboys said what, 26,000 plus uh, for, to have back-to-back -back games like that with, with the attendance setting attendance record for the first two games of the season accumulated uh, attendance, I think is a, a very good indication of uh the excitement that may be growing into the fan base right now. So that, that was really a positive just being in that stadium and, and seeing a full, full crowd for that game. And of course the Cowboys, uh, the football team didn't play up quite to the level of, of the fans uh, support. Um, they looked, looked really lethargic. I, you know, just, 
couldn't move the ball. And I think the, you know, inability to complete some uh, pass and throws, uh, stop drives, didn't allow that rush game to get some momentum. So the passing game is obviously was a concern in the game. I do think Idaho played hard. Um, I think they were, were really motivated uh, to play Wyoming and they were uh, pretty focused and I thought were well coached and I thought their quarterback played really heady. You know, he didn't make a lot of mistakes and uh, the Cowboys weren't able to get those turnovers. But at the end of the day, the Cowboys uh, are three and oh, and they found a way to win the game at the end, uh, perhaps not playing some of their best football that they're going to play going forward. Well, you know, I watched the uh, highlights, which is, you know highlights that they, they, they don't show you all the uh, all the things in the game and uh, uh, the one the the one uh, the highlights that Wyoming had I mean they did they they ran the ball well uh, they had some good uh, pass receptions they had a lot of drops but they didn't show those uh, you know so the impression of looking at the highlights it didn't look that bad uh, but you're right um, uh, Bowl has even addressed that in his presser. We can play that. Uh, we can play that later. But he talked about the slow start and and uh, the need for the team to to uh, be better in the passing game. Um, you know, I was looking well, this, at this. This game was you could see on the sidelines when you let a team like that just kind of hang around. You could see their energy was just increasing quarter by quarter players on the sideline for Idaho were, were getting into it. They felt confident and they had good reason to feel confident because it's the first quarter they were leading. So uh, it just kind of, um, you know, bred that type of a, a game where you let a team like that hang around just for a lot of the same reasons that what Wyoming did with Missouri. That was, Idaho's uh, Missouri game. So uh, um, the result didn't surprise me after we fell behind by that score and then we let them hang around. And that's why we had to, you know, hang on for our dear life to pull this one out. Yeah. And that, that quarterback was something else. I mean, uh, I don't know uh, what his completion record is. I have the, uh, I have the um, stats here. Let's see if I can get uh, Petrino. Uh, was 15 of 33 for 184 yards. It just seems like he did not miss. <laughs> I mean, yeah. Was, well, I on top of that, Jeff, he was also really helped by uh, his receivers. Oh, they yeah. They could flat out get to the ball, and if the ball was thrown just generally in their vicinity, they came down with a catch. I mean, there was some uh, OBJ type of catches there, especially that one on the sideline oh, yeah. with the one-handed grab. So those receivers really made that quarterback look even extra special. Yeah, it just seemed like that uh, Wyoming just could not put the kibosh on him. I mean, they sacked him a couple of times, uh, but uh, he he was really resilient. I was really impressed with him. And like you said, they were, they were uh, inspired. Well, he was crafty. He's a crafty quarterback. He's a coach's son. We talk about coach's sons, point guards and basketball, but that applied to the the quarterback. And he just made his arm didn't look particularly strong. He didn't look particularly athletic, but he just seemed to make a lot of those savvy 
type passes, uh, passes I thought the Cowboys might be able to pick off and it ended up in the wide receiver's hands. And, uh, you know, they played well. The receivers caught the ball. Their wide receiver, Jeff Cotton, uh, is really a top-line wide receiver, at least a possession wide receiver, and he had nine receptions. And, you know, he had 16 receptions the previous week, so he was a, a good route runner that seemed to get open. So they were able to make enough plays to make an interesting. But the Cowboys, uh, after the first quarter, did uh, basically hold Idaho to three points the remainder of the game so they did start to pick some momentum up and and uh, get enough scores and they take the victory away and I think if they can just get that offense the passing game moving a little bit more that you know that that score could have been a little bit more of a bigger margin for Wyoming yeah uh, and you know a lot of people were frustrated with that I think a lot of people expected uh, Wyoming to uh, blow their doors off um, the but I just I don't know if this is going to be the kind of team that does that this year. <laughs> I think it's. Well, gonna- I can agree with you, Jeff. I think just because of uh, Bull, Bull's idea of you know working the clock, and he's not the type of guy when he gets up on top of opponent that he's going to put on the blowout, uh, you know, tires type of situation where he's going to want to blow team out he's really going to start wanting to stat you know run the football and grind that clock so i don't see wyoming doing what joe tiller did a hawaii back in 1996 when they beat him 66 to nothing that that type of game so um <laughs> the cowboys are conservative offensively so i don't see them you know taking it to too many opponents by like these really big margin of type of victories so yeah that, I-, I think that's why we're just going to be used to it if after six years, we're not, then, you know, shame on us. But this is the type of football program that we're going to have. And if that's what it takes and we can be 3-0 and and hopefully on Saturday late afternoon we're 4-0, I'll take that every day. Oh, yeah. yeah, I'm all with Jim on that. I'm just – this is talking about winning football games and San Diego State is – played for some championships playing kind of very similar type of uh, game where they just control the clock and and those type of things so it, it's all about winning and we are a three and0 football team and I don't think we've uh, a peaked this season yet no I don't think so either I think that uh, chambers um, and coach Bowl talked about chambers uh, needing to get um, he, he said that he wasn't lacking in confidence but he just needed to settle down and uh, they were going to try to do things uh, in this next game to help him out. So that'll be interesting to see what that what that means. I don't know if they're going to let him run more or um, uh, move the pocket or, or what what exactly they have in mind. But uh, we'll see uh, uh, what he's got in mind. I tell you what, let's listen to um, Bull's opening statement in his Monday presser. You know, it certainly was an exciting game, and uh, we're really pleased that we won it. It was a hard-fought game. Uh, I thought uh, Idaho had a really good game plan, both on offense and defense. And uh, their quarterback, Petrino, made tons of plays. I thought our guys responded well. What uh, what we did uh, well offensively, we certainly ran the ball well. And we controlled the ball, and when we needed uh, to, uh, you know, run the timeout, uh, which is always difficult to do, our offense did that. The other thing, I think, is pretty. Um, uh, I guess noteworthy is that we've not turned the ball over offensively, taking care of the football, and that's important. Um, defensively, uh, we were not great at times getting off the field, and I think some of that has to do with some of the plays that they they made, but certainly there's things that we can do better. 
the other thing that was disappointing, we did not get a takeaway in that game, but we had normally been doing that. A big play in the kicking game. Um, you know, I thought Austin Conway's uh, alert uh, punt return was really important and impactful. That put us in scoring position, which was really helpful. Uh, there's certainly areas of improvement we need to do. Um, I think we need to we need to be able to stay on the field longer offensively. We certainly got to throw the ball better, and those numbers uh, are not. Um, inaccurate, they're accurate. And uh, so we're we're off pace as far as completing passes. Uh, you know, it's not like we're going to turn into a, a Washington State and throw the ball all the time, but we've certainly got to be more efficient. Uh, and there's a lot of different reasons uh, why, which I'll be more than happy to address uh, that as we go. Uh, certainly excited about playing the University of Tulsa. Uh, you know, they, uh, they came off a a really a tough loss against Oklahoma State. I know they had battled back. Uh, they had jumped out of, or they had, Oklahoma State had jumped out ahead of them. And then, uh, you know, the result of their football team, they came roaring back and actually were ahead at halftime. And I think they've got an excellent quarterback. Uh, Zach Smith uh, played the majority of the game. Uh, he did not complete the game. Boomer came in at the end, so I don't know what his status is. but. He certainly is an excellent quarterback. He runs a, uh, the, that system well. Coach Montgomery has been a head coach there for a certain number of years and has done an excellent job. You know, he was part of the whole Art Bryles tree at, uh, at University of Houston and then at Baylor when they were really building their dynasty and their offensive explosiveness. So we've got our hands full. Uh, we're excited about playing. We are 3-0. Uh, so uh, th that's a, a good place to be, but we've got to figure out how we can get to one and own win this next game. I also want to say thanks to the fans. I thought it was an excellent home crowd. Uh, those are the type of uh, games that we really enjoy, and, and I think it speaks well for uh, the University of Wyoming to be able to attract that number of fans for our second game. Certainly, um, you know, the weather and the uh, how we've been playing has had a big impact on that. But I, I want to say thanks because that uh, certainly is important as it drives college football. So that was Coach Bull in his opening statement at the presser. He covered covered quite a bit of the um, uh, issues that we're talking about. Uh, he, he got asked uh, other questions later on uh, regarding the um, uh regarding the production and um, uh, the problems with the, the passing game. But uh, he pretty well laid it out there. Uh, he's saying that, you know, uh, he doesn't think or he said he didn't think that, you know, we could continue on this path, that they did have to up, up the production and uh, uh, get, more, um, get more efficient on uh, passing. Yeah, I think the key is just, uh, you know, just the wide, there's just kind of a mix where the quarterback's off on one pass a little bit, and then the wide receiver, you know, doesn't make a catch on the next play. So that just starts adding up, you know, as the game goes on. So I think the wide receivers need to start making some tougher catches. Um, and also think, obviously, Chambers needs to get more comfortable uh, 
delivering the ball and being accurate because we've seen him in situations where he's actually throwing the ball really well. He has a strong arm and he has thrown some nice passes. So the capability is there. And coach Bowles said the capability is there. He's seen him in spring practice, seen him in fall camp and all that. And he knows he, he can throw that football. So it just, sometimes you're off by a little bit and it really turns out to be a big deal. So if they can just maybe fine tune, tune some of the catches then once they start making those catches the first downs are extended and then that running game can start getting going and eventually they'll they'll be taking some shots down the field i believe and hopefully make some big plays in the pass game that'll be telling that'll be telling when they come out against um uh tulsa um uh let's 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 talk about tulsa but first of all i want to play this here just to set the scene That's the hurricane fight song. And, uh, you know, this is their mascot. That's sounds of a hurricane. That's the only thing I could figure out how to, what to play. Jeff made it be a golden hurricane. Well, that's true. I didn't know how to add the color. To, I didn't know how to add the color to it. Yeah, what is a golden hurricane? And what is a hurricane doing in Tulsa, Oklahoma? I mean, come on. I, I was thinking that myself just recently, actually. Yeah, I mean, okay, if they were called the cyclones, like Iowa State, you know, because they had lots of tornadoes there, that would make sense, you know. But uh, golden hurricanes? Oh, we have to check that out. Yeah, the rate right up there as far as a completely unimaginative name for a team, the the hurricanes in the middle of Oklahoma. (laughs) I mean, it could have been, there's so many names would be more apt for that part of the country. I wonder if they misplaced where they were at for a while. Yeah. Maybe that's the reason they're the third team in the state of Oklahoma, so... It's true. They can't figure that out what they said. <laughs> well, Jim, uh, you uh, took a look at the Golden Hurricanes and the uh, upcoming game. Uh, what can you tell us about that team? Well, you know, in a lot of ways, they started the season similar to what we were talking about three weeks ago. They have been looking at this Wyoming game as a turning point in their season. I think we had that same discussion right before the Missouri game. We were at that time hoping that we can get past Tulsa. We would be uh, instead of being two and two, we might be three and one. But lordy, lordy, look at us—we're three and zero oh right now. So Tulsa is motivated. This is an important game for them. For them. Because otherwise, right now, they're one and two. They lose to us, which they will. Uh, They go to one and three. So this is an important game for them. Uh, They started the season off with a loss to Michigan State, 28 to 7. And then they beat a real poor team, as we all know, San Jose State, 34 to 16. And then last week, uh, they lost to Oklahoma State, 40 to 21. So just like Coach Bull said, uh, the head coach, Philip Montgomery, who I can tell you is definitely on the hot seat there, uh, is is from a good offensive pedigree with his time that he served at Houston and at Baylor uh, with those two programs. 
But as good as the offense has been there uh, with what he learned at Houston and Baylor, you know, they, they've struggled. Uh, they've not had a, uh, um, a prolific offense there at all. They've had a lot of similar issues that Wyoming has had. But um, part of it could be is that their old line, they lost uh, three starters from last year. So they have uh, kind of a new offensive line that they're having to work with. But overall, as I mentioned, you know, Coach Montgomery is on the hot seat. Last year they were three and nine, and the year before they were two and ten. So they've uh, they really need this year, and he needs this year to probably keep his job. It's uh, I would say that his uh, name is right up there in all the various publications you see with uh, what coaches might be uh, on a bit of a hot uh, the hot seat. Uh, Baylor is led by, um, or I'm sorry, uh, <laughs> Tulsa is led by a former Baylor quarterback uh, who is a transfer from Baylor uh, by the name of Zach Smith, which um, interestingly, at the end of the Oklahoma State game, he came out early because of uh, concussion protocol. So he might be a, a bit tender type of quarterback going into the Wyoming game. So uh we have to watch to see how that, you know, trying, you know, progresses during the game as far as is he ready to go after uh, basically missing a few days this week because of the uh, concussion protocol. Uh, offensively, they're led by Shamari Brooks and Corey Taylor. Uh, they both rushed for about 1,800 yards last year, so they have uh, some good running game. Um, Shamari Brooks is not a big player. He's uh, 5'9", 193, but he's very elusive, especially out there in the open field. Uh, defensively, they're giving up a ton of yardage. Uh, they're averaging about 200 yards that they're giving up in passing and almost 200 yards rushing. So uh, uh, their defense was inconsistent last year and it looks like they're just uh, continuing on with what happened to them last year with the first three games this year. However, you know, you have to keep in mind that two of those games were against Power 5 teams, once again, against Oklahoma State and, and Michigan State. Um, but as bad as they are defensively, they, they do have an interesting statistic that their past defense is one of the best in, the, in their conference. Uh, they were number one in pass defense last year, and I think they were seventh overall so the uh, the good news bad news is that uh, you know they are not very good in rushing but they're not uh, but they're very good as far as passing but given wyoming's passing attack i don't know that we really need to worry about that too much <laughs> so uh, uh anyway defensively that's kind of what you're looking at uh for them and uh it would seem that uh that right now they're also number 108th in the in the NCAA's statistics on run defense. So they might be very well. This is right up what Wyoming does well. We run the ball well. I think we're going to run the ball a lot, and I think uh, we're going to try to improve our passing. But I don't see us selling out by any means at all to try to have a real wide open pass attack. We're going to do what Coach Bull is good at, and we're going to run the ball. Oh, yeah, I, I see that. Now, Bull said in his uh, 
presser that uh, they are going to uh, try to improve on that. Uh, you know, because, you know, he talked about, you know, if a team knows, you know, the coaches on the other team are going to see the tape and say, oh, well, we're just going to uh, block up the middle and then we're going to try to force you to pass. And so uh, that'll be interesting. So he says in order to loosen that up, you're going to have to hit some passes. So I'm sure they're working on that this week, or at least I hope they worked on it this week. Uh, well, well, Coach Paul made an emphasis of, you know, that this is an area that they're really going to focus on this week is improve that passing game. So I would would hope we see some fruit on Saturday because they are going to have to convert some passes, I think, to win this game. So, yeah. Well, think- you know, when they do stack the box, that's always kind of dangerous as well for the defense. Um, I think when you saw what happened in the Missouri game is if one of our backs get past that first line there's not many uh defensive players left back there then so uh, uh there's also some risk when you know coaches stack the box like they do so uh but you know even if we increase our efficiency passing by 50 percent you know we're still only talking about maybe five or six completions uh so i still think we're going to see a, a real heavy run offense uh, this uh, this Saturday, with some emphasis in trying to improve the the passing game a bit. In your opinion, Jim, do you see uh, the Tulsa stacking the box? Is that something you think they'll they'll try to implement? Well, I listened to uh, Coach Montgomery's uh, presser, and generally, that's what he talked about. Was that's what you do when you. Uh, face teams that have a heavy run emphasis is that you stack the box and uh, and have them come at you and see just how strong they are. So uh, I think we're going to see that. And, uh, you know, there's, you know, obviously Coach Bull and our coaches are smart enough that they understand there's ways to, to offset when a team uh, stacks the box. I mean, there's literally two or three different ways that a lot of coaches look at that as far as how to, kind of get around that well play action pass would be one i would think well that works really well uh especially with the you know success in running the ball uh but you know what we've really not i you know i don't think i've really seen them really emphasize the play action it's just you know we're going to line up against you and here we come yeah it's been tough nose football we're just well, one thing I've noticed Wyoming uh, through the years, uh, just last several years, even with Josh Allen, that this this offense doesn't seem to get clicking until about the fourth or fifth game. And the Eastern, you know, I know last year or the year before the offense wasn't that great, but it seemed like they were starting to get a little bit more, more momentum offensively. And in 2016, they didn't really – you know, they had a couple tough games in there, and then they then that run game started going. And I think the way this offense is set up, the Cowboys need to take some shots down the field. I, I just think we need to throw some lateral passes and take – I don't think we threw one against uh, Idaho. So I think it's important that occasionally we step back and throw, throw one down the field, kind of loosen that defense up. And I know we have some wide receivers that can make some plays, you know, open you know, down the field. And I think you got to do that once in a while. Well, you know, that was another issue. I mean, the, the, uh, not only does Sean have to be on, on uh, target, 
uh, these guys have got to catch the ball. And then some of them had a, you know, uh, they had a little problem uh, holding on. Uh, you know, I mean, our our uh, our passing uh, chambers was four of twelve for fifty yards, and uh, you know, so uh, how many of those were did he make it to the uh, uh, receivers' hands? And they just, you know, brick hands. They just dropped it. I don't know what you think, but I I probably could count three that come to my mind that should have been caught. So all of a sudden, four for 12 becomes seven for 12. And that's a, what is a over 65% percentage. So things change quickly. Yeah, I agree with you. I think there was at least three that should have been caught. And um, and maybe he threw out under through some players, but I still even think when he missed on some passes, some of those catches should have been caught. I think the one down the middle when he hit Ismail, on the, you know, maybe threw the ball a little hard. I, I just think a good wide receiver needs to make those catches. And I've seen Tanner Gentry and some of the great Wyoming receivers of the past make make those spectacular catches. And I think the Cowboys have to start making more spectacular catches as we go forward. Well, yeah. if we had a receiver like Cotton from Idaho, I just was thinking during the game, this kid catches anything that's near the vicinity. So it just was such a you know, Tanner Gentry type of receiver. And, you know, we could really use somebody like that. I was hoping that maybe Gunner is going to be that person or we're going to need to increase our, you know, passing to our tight ends. I think that uh, the tight end option needs to be exploited. Yeah, my gut instinct is Tanner or uh, Gunner Gentry uh, can be our best wide receiver as as by the end of the season. I just have a feeling that, once he gets gets more into the flow, he's going to start making more catches. And I also agree with the tight end thing. I think we have some really some decent tight ends, and I think uh, Harshman is a, a a veteran tight end that can make catches. And, and that Marcotte, yeah, Marcotte is a a big guy. God, yeah. He's a big guy. He made a terrific catch down at Texas State. So you got a veteran Harshman. You got a, a big guy in Marcotte. Um, so there, there's. I think there's enough out there to have a pretty decent passing game. They just got to something needs to start clicking here in the future. You know, one one guy that we we uh, he never gets any uh, notice, but he's been doing a really good job, and that's that Ryan uh, Galovich, the punter. Uh, he's been averaging forty five point two yards per punt. His longest one is fifty one. So. Uh, at least uh, the punting has been in good hands. Now, we had a little problem with the field goal uh, right at the beginning. Um, our, our field goal kicker had a little trouble at the beginning, which is very unusual for him. <laughs> so I don't and know. And he missed one at Texas State, too. So hopefully he's just in a little bit of a slump. And really, when we get into the grind of conference play, uh, you know, he'll get back into that flow where he doesn't miss uh, field goals. And you're right about the punter. I'm glad you mentioned him. It just seems like he's starting to get get more and more uh, confident as a punter and, and his kicking's continuously getting better. So I think that's an area that we can feel pretty comfortable with moving forward. So, yeah. Um... Well, that's what Coach Bowles all about is flipping the field. And if, uh, you know, the offense doesn't get that first down or they get stopped, that they, you know, pin the ball back and let the defense do what they're good at and we get the ball back in better position. You can kind of see that ebb and flow during the game as how field position changes. Yeah. 
that's a that's a, a primo thing, and uh, you know uh, we've got Trey Smith. He's doing really well. Uh, really impressive with uh, impressed with that one uh, TD run that uh, was the backbreaker. Uh, Titus Sween has been doing well. And uh, does ex uh, Xavier Valade is he coming back uh, this week? Yes, I believe Valade will be back on on for the game on Saturday. So we know that he's you know they they could have probably played him last week if they needed to, but it's a good thing that they rested him for for another week. And I, I'm with you, Trey Smith. To me, looks like a a big bat, big time back in a lot of ways because he has both the power and he proves he has the speed too. So I, I'm really excited about him him as the season goes forward. And he's a he's a veteran guy, and I think. You know, he's still learning the, the running plays a little bit, what holes to hit, do that type of thing. But as the season goes on, goes up forward, I can see us uh, having some big games out of him for sure. So, yeah. Well, speaking of uh, seniors and experienced players coming back, um, looks like uh, we're going to have the services of Antonio Hull. Yeah. We'll be back on uh, this weekend. So, that's good news. Given yeah. with some of the injuries we just had there in the defensive backfield, which was kind of surprising. I didn't really notice those during the game, but, you know, we've lost, what, two of those players for the rest of the season. So having Antonio Hall is going to be a big plus. Yeah, it's big having him back because C.J. Colden was really starting to emerge uh, as a player. You can see him developing to a potential superstar in the future for the Wyoming program. So to have Antonio back there is big because he, he is a veteran cornerback that's so uh, played in a lot of games. And the other guy, the Lafayette or something like that, I probably mispronounced it. <laughs> uh, he's a, a redshirt freshman. He's a player that I think he was the fourth defensive end in that rotation behind Solomon Bird and, and the, the two starters. So I think the Cowboys have a couple guys that should step in and replace him. But uh, it was good to get Antonio back because that C.J. Colden loss was not not a small one. Uh, what was his injury? Do we know? Bull said it was a lower body injury, and that's all he said. So, hmm. But he's lost for the season? Yep, he's out for the season. That was announced on Tuesday, I believe, or Wednesday. So, uh, Bummer, man. Ah. What about Victor Jones? Did he is he uh, overcome the tongue lashing and he'll be available for uh, for Saturday? I think, I think he is. I think he took a pretty good tongue lashing, and I I think he takes it well. Uh, I think he's a good character kid, so I, I believe he'll be fine. But uh, Cowboys uh, during that game did make a lot of mental mistakes with penalties, a lot of late hits and stuff, and I'm pretty pretty sure they're going to get that cleaned up because Bull was not very happy with 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 those penalties at all you know i saw a play by um by chambers uh he drew um you know that shoving play you know when he went out of bounds and got shoved uh uh and that idaho got uh, hit with a uh you know uh, hitting out of bounds uh do you remember that one i do i, I- I actually went back and watched the replay of the game. I don't remember it during the game, but I, I, I watched the re- replay and, you know, he looked like he was about ready to run at somebody. And then he controlled himself and got off the field. Is that the one you were talking about, Jeff? Well, the, the one that uh, he hit the uh, Gatorade table and, you know, the guy, the guy touched him. Uh, I, I, I don't want to accuse him of anything, but boy, that looked like a, a, an Oscar winning, 
uh, performance because that guy just kind of tapped him on the back and he flung himself into that table and got the. Uh, uh, that's my theory. Flung yeah, him- I see your I see your perspective on that now, yeah. and uh, I do see what you're saying. I think he he probably was a crafty move on his part. So high <laughs> IQ quarterback. Yeah. So he, uh, you know, it's like those guys that um, uh, in soccer, you know, they'll get their ear flicked or something, and then they'll fall down with deadly. Uh, you know, injury, and then they'll get up, pop back up, and run off the field. So, what do they call that? Flopping or something? Yeah, on, flopping. Yeah. Soccer? <laughs> I don't think they call is... that in basketball flopping, also. Yeah, right. yeah. yeah. Yeah, no, Jeff. When I saw that, uh, they had the replay on the on the jumbotron, and I thought, well, it didn't seem too extreme, but what the heck, we'll take it. Yeah, uh, <laughs> I think he launched. <laughs> Excuse me. I think he launched himself into that Gatorade table. And that was pretty good. And then uh, the other play that was outstanding uh, was um, with Austin Conway uh, uh, letting that punt roll down and then uh, seeing that the guy um, had touched it or they weren't downing it. So he just reached down, picked it up, and started running again. And the guy, he had a hell of a return uh, with that with that attempt. Uh, you know, well, that's why Austin Conway, I understand he's going to go to law school. He's going to be a pretty sharp attorney, I think. Yeah. <laughs> but, I, mean, I mean, he knew that rule. and He knew that uh, if the ball hits um, the defensive player on a punt like that, that you can advance the ball at no risk. That's right. That's right. And so um, <laughs> that's a great point at no risk. And for him to know that and take that that gamble, which really wasn't a gamble at all. And as you put it, Jim, so, and that was a good play. Austin, Austin's going to get a touchdown for us this year on the punt returns. I'll predict. Yeah, he, uh... well, I agree. I think we're going to see that from Austin also from uh, uh, Hall. I mean, he's, you know, he owes us another uh, kickoff return because we haven't seen one for a couple of years from him. Yep. Yep, uh, he's ready to break one. And uh, Austin, a little bit of frustration I have with him is that uh, he makes the catch, but then um, he doesn't have a very good uh, yards after catch. He seems to uh, double back and and, uh, make too many moves rather than just driving through the the catch and moving forward, in my opinion, you know, being the uh, quarterback. Uh, yeah, you're not the only one that's expressed that, Jeff. A lot, a lot of fans have expressed that. And funny part is when he gets in the open field, he he has some go. Yeah. So just I just haven't seen him get very many open field plays the uh, last couple of years since that UNLV game from a couple of years ago. Right, right. That's true. He's usually uh, it's usually pretty contested, and he doesn't have a lot of room. He hasn't had a lot of room. Uh, that's true. We'll get, we'll cut him that break, but uh, you know. I'm a a fat old sixty year old here trying to tell a kid like that how to catch the ball and run. So you know, I understand. Uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna say that uh, you know uh, what the, it's just my perception. But no, he's uh, uh, hopefully he can break one. It's it, he hasn't been able to break one yet. But uh, one of these times, I hope he gets gets one out and then takes it all the way. Yeah, this offense needs some big plays. We just need some some guys outside the running back position because I know the running back position, the quarterback can make big plays in the running game. We just love to see some big plays in the pass game this week where we get a receiver 
who can break a, you know, take a pass and go the distance or make a long gain. That is really kind of what we're hungry for right now with that offense. Yeah. yeah. Well, if you look at the Tulsa fan site, I mean, those fans over there have zero respect for us. Uh, so it'd be nice to see us turn some big plays and, and come out of that Tulsa game with a win. Oh yeah. Uh, I would like to uh, have them eat that one. <laughs> <laughs> you know, uh, and uh, I'd like to see a big time win, and we all would like to see a big time win. But as I've been saying on the board, you know, a one point victory. If 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 Wyoming wins the rest of their games by one point, every game, they're still twelve and zero. So you know, <laughs> so it doesn't really you know, uh, just as long as you got a couple more points than they do, uh, you're in good shape. Yeah, I'm with you. I I just want to see the Cowboys win, and I just want to see them win at Tulsa by at least one point, because I think to go down there and get a victory and be four and zero is is really big. And then have UNLV coming at home and potentially go five and zero with a week off to get get some thing more things fixed before you hit hit the big conference game at San Diego State. I don't want to look ahead here, but I've been kind of looking ahead a little bit. Also, you know, when the season started, anyways, about the schedule. I just think the Cowboys have a a good opportunity to set themselves up pretty good for, you know, October, November. So, so how well, let's it, face it. I mean, this Tulsa team is, they're having problems. Uh, they were three and nine. No, what were they? Yeah. Three and nine last year and two and 10 the year before. So this is not a good Tulsa team. It has had some problems the last couple of years and you have a coach that's on the hot seat and, you know, if we can, uh, instead of falling behind 10 to nothing or 14 to nothing, if we can jump up 10 to nothing or 14 to nothing, I think that the wheels could come off down there real quick. Yeah. Oh yeah. I think you're right. Uh, it'd be nice to get started out ahead for once <laughs> instead of having to claw your way back. Um, you know, it's been spectacular, but I would, I'd kind of like to get a lead in the beginning of the game. That would be nice. Well, it might be critical in this game for the Cowboys to get up on Tulsa. I don't know if this is the game that I want to see them down 14 nothing, just being that Tulsa's at home. And uh, I just think this was going to be a tricky game at the start of the season anyways, uh, playing on the road down there. And as Jeff, or I'm sorry, as Jim alluded to earlier, uh, you know, they're going to look at this as a pretty important game. They're one and two in the, in the raw and you know, on the standings and, go to one and three and they have their league play coming up, which is a tough conference as the Mount West is. And uh, they're, I think they're going to be, you know, pretty motivated to, to play the Cowboys. So we need to, we need to jump on these guys early, get that run game going and get some confidence in the passing game. Yeah. And we yeah, one, one and three is a lot different than two and two for them. So you're absolutely right. I am that uh, uh, this is a critical game for them and they, the beginning of the season, they were pointing to this game as the game that will make their season. If they go two and two, or, or if they're one and three, uh, you know, well, like I said before, the wheels could come off real quick. Yeah, I just worry about buzz saws uh, type of games. I don't. I I feel like if we had a different coaching staff, I might be a lot more con- even more concerned. Um, I just always felt like Bowl has kept us uh, pretty, at least pretty stable in these type of football games. But this is a game that, you know, in the old days would be a buzzsaw type potential buzzsaw for the Cowboys. So, 
keeping my fingers crossed, the Cowboys are going to be ready to go on Saturday. Yeah, well, I I I think Tulsa is beatable. Um, uh, as Jim has mentioned, they're not. Uh, they've been. They've not been all that good lately. So, uh, but they are inspired, and I hope they don't have their second string quarterback play. Because for whatever reason, it seems to me that whenever we get the second, <laughs> whenever we I know play you've against, always have said that, Jeff. Yeah, I know. Here. Whenever we play the second string quarterback, he's he's usually lights out and you know all conference and all world and all American. And, well, here's to Zach Smith having a good game and showing up and uh, playing their number one quarterback. So Zach Smith be healthy because that's what we want. That's right. We don't want to, I don't know about the second guy, but it always well, seems their like backup quarterback that could be the starter, depending on Zach Smith. He was the starter for them last year. So it's not like he hasn't had starting experience. And then as you, you know, you might bring up a good point, Jeff, because you know, he has something to prove now. Yeah. So he but, might you know what? He has, he has a great Oklahoma name. Their backup. I mean, you couldn't even imagine it could be any better than this. His name is Seth Boomer. Oh, there you go. There you go. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> the only thing is, is that he should be playing for Oklahoma, but uh, he's in the in Oklahoma with the name of Seth Boomer Sooner. So uh, you know what can you say? Well, gentlemen, uh, anything else that we can add to this uh, discussion? Hey, Ian, I was going to ask you a little bit about the recruiting. Uh, looks like that's coming along pretty well. And I was really impressed by the recent commit uh, that uh, is coming out of the state of Nebraska. It seems like that's going to be a, a real nice player if he signs in December. Yeah, I have no doubt in my mind that Wyoming recruiting has taken to another level level last couple of years. But the kid out of Nebraska, the the Rivals guy, um, Sean Callahan, who's been covering Nebraska for a long time for Rivals and knows all the high school players in the state of Nebraska, is really high on this guy. I think he, he's a really good pickup for the Cowboys. He he thinks he's a you know very you know, Nebraska scholarship type of player, potentially. Well, he's not going to go to Nebraska. I think he's committed to Wyoming, but he's a guy that could very easily be on scholarship in the Big Ten. He feels that he is a, a very, very big pickup for Wyoming for an offensive lineman. So, well, you have to be encouraged. I was looking at his uh, offer list, and we beat out uh, our friends to the north of us here, Ian, with uh, CSU having offered him as well. That's right. Colorado State wanted him. It's not a he's not one of those guys they had third on their list. He was definitely near the top of their list uh, for an offensive lineman. So uh, anytime we beat Colorado State out in, in recruiting and stuff outside the state, you know, outside players in our state, I think it's a pretty major pickup for us and stuff. So, so uh, there's well, there's talk about Nebraska coming in late. I mean, that's a typical thing. I think that's happened to us a couple of times, hasn't it? It has, but I also think there's a certain mentality with within a, the program now with the players and the, the recruits and stuff is it's going to take a lot more for Nebraska to just come in, pull somebody out of there. Now I know he's, he's a local Nebraska kid and stuff, but with that early signing period, I think that's also another advantage towards Wyoming that we, we, I say it's a very good chance that he stays with his commitment with Wyoming. Yeah. yeah, that really hurt last the last two times is because we still had that February signing date. 
And, uh, you know, and also that the coaching staff there was kind of on the ropes as far as, you know, who they were able to sign. I think Scott Frost is probably a little further along on his recruiting than the, the coach Riley was there. And, you know, if you look at those last two uh, flops that went, uh, that flipped uh, to uh, Nebraska, you know, both of them have really not done well. In fact, one's not even on the Nebraska roster right now. And then the other young man, he's not even on the two deep. And that's a great point. Absolutely. So, yeah, I mean, um, oh, and uh, talking about going off to big schools, Tevis Bartlett is coming back to Wyoming to wrestle. And I was so disappointed when he when he went to Washington. Uh, but uh, uh, it's kind of nice that he's going to come back and take his um, uh, graduate year to wrestle. That's kind of cool. Yeah, that's great to see to have him uh, at least a brown and gold one year in the great wrestling program we have at Wyoming. And we lost a couple guys uh, out of state. Uh, Logan Wilson's teammate in high school being the other guy uh, who's now in the NFL. So I, I remember early on when we lost some of those guys, it was pretty disappointing to lose them. But um, you just got to feel now going forward, the program's getting, getting, would win that some of those recruiting battles perhaps that we had lost initially when we started uh, with the program. Yeah. Well, well this is a, it's a big year this year uh, for recruiting and just the future success. Uh, um, if we can get to that uh, eight win, nine win season and with the new facilities and so on, I think it's a real turning point. Uh, I think we already have the foundation for um, you know, a good program and if coach bull can, you know, turn a eight or nine win season. I think that, uh, you know, it's going to really be the impetus for some great football seasons ahead of us. Yeah, I tend to agree with you. And, and to have seven commitments at this point and potentially eight, I think there might be another commitment out there not announced yet. I think we're ahead of schedule with commitments right now from, from past years to have, to be at mid-September and have eight commitments. Uh, I don't remember us being in that situation before. Well, that's uh, that's encouraging. Um, and again, the early signing period is December. Is this? Am I am I saying that right? It's right before Christmas. Uh, last year was around December twentieth, so I think it's going to be approximately the same. You know, as if for instance, uh, two, two years ago we went to that bowl game. They had that early signing period, a couple of days for the bowl game against, uh, against uh, Central Michigan at Boise. So I think it's going to be about around that area when those bowl games start getting picked up and stuff. So That's good. That's good. All right. Well, the early signing day for this year, you're right. I am, you were pretty close. It's December 18th, according to Mr. Google. And that will be three days before the Las Vegas Bowl, I believe. So that's that's kind of kind of where we're at. It's right before that bowl season starts. So it's a big deal to get get those players signed up, so the coaches can go out there and actually start not worrying about those guys as much, keeping them on board, but they can start focusing and adding to the class. You know, you know the five to ten chances are there's only going to be about five or six scholarships available after that point. Cause that's where we were last year. So, you know, they can start really honing in on some guys, uh, you know, in January, not worry about that uh, 19 or 20 guys that sign and on December 18th. All right. Sounds good. So let's go uh, Cowboys. Let's go down to uh, 
uh, Oklahoma and uh, uh, douse that golden hurricane, hurricane in Oklahoma, go figure, and uh, get by those guys down there. Uh, you know, we're one and two down there, according to the sheet that I have here. So we need to uh, even up the uh, even up the record down there to do it too. Uh, down there well, well, you know what? I don't think we've won a game in Oklahoma since the 50s. So I think our last five games in Oklahoma, either to Tulsa, OU, or Oklahoma State, we haven't won a game in Oklahoma since the 50s. Well, we're we're one in seven all time, according to this here from the uh, notes that I got from uh, Wyoming. We're one in seven all time in the state of Oklahoma. But we are 1-2 on the road against Golden Hurricanes with a 28-27 win over Tulsa on November 20th, 1954. I wasn't quite one year old <laughs> when that happened. So uh, I was just... And let's not forget the last trip down to Tulsa. The Cowboys were having a really good football season. They almost knocked Georgia off. They're like eight and one. They lost to Air Force in a game that decided the division championship to go to Vegas. The next game, they had the Las Vegas Bowl committee waiting for them, ready to send them off to Las Vegas, even though they were going to be second in the division. And they tanked down at Tulsa, thirty-five to seven. Was a, just a miserable game to watch to end the season. That was actually a very good season for Wyoming. So that's just something in my mind. Maybe I'm make too big of a deal out of that, but that that, that was really one of our tougher losses uh, back in that era. So. And we... well, what I understand is that the Las Vegas Bowl had all of their their uh, memorabilia or their uh, material for the for the game uh, shirts and hats and t-shirts and even the showgirls were they're ready to give them the invite and the cowboys certainly you know laid an egg there yeah that game was not even close it was a you know out of the gate tulsa controlled that game and um you know all they had to do is pull out a victory there i don't know what happened i think maybe they lost steam after the air force went and larry me the previous week but um, it can be if you're not if the Cowboys aren't focused and ready to play football on Saturday. And I expect they will be. That's a definitely a game that I, I think can get out of hand if you're not focused, ready to play, because they're going to have a lot to play for. So we have to the Cowboys really have to play their best football since the Missouri game. Definitely. Well, gentlemen, it's that time. And uh, we've just put about almost an hour. So I think that was pretty good. Uh, you know what I do? I reach over here, and uh, I, uh, there we go. Ah, yeah, there we go. All right, so we've come to the end. Come to the end of the third edition of the 2019 Cowboy Roundtable. Uh, Ian, I want to thank you for joining us. All right, thanks, uh, both you guys. Look forward to talking with you in the future. And Jim, I uh, hope to see you again. Uh, are you going to be able to ne- make it next week, or uh, we're going to have to? Uh... Yeah, I think I'm on the schedule for next week, but then after that, I know that I'm off for several weeks while you get some other very capable uh, co-hosts. Well, um, that's good. So uh, we're looking forward to that. So uh, let's just uh, 
get out of here the way we usually do it. There you have it. Another edition of the Cowboy Roundtable. I'm your host, Jeff Fry. want to thank Ian and Jim for joining us. And we'll be back next week for another edition of Cowboy Roundtable. Cowboy Roundtable is a production of Jackalope Ridge Media, LLC, all rights reserved. <laughs>